C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood. Hello and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm the Resident Youth, Maddie Yergi. And I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And today we are joined by a very esteemed guest. I am so honored that she decided to come talk with us today. Extra And that is Brianne Wick of... (laughs) Brightly and Company, and I will let her take it from here. Brienne, if you just want to introduce yourself, and um, we usually have our guests say, you know, your name, where you're from, what you do, and generally how old you are or what year you were born, so we can kind of know where you are in the millennium millennial spectrum. I love that, the millennial spectrum. Well, I'm super <laughs> excited to be here, and I am Brienne Wick. My uh, company is Brightly and Company, so I own my own company, and I am a life and business guidance coach for female entrepreneurs, and um, I love what I do, obviously. Mm-hmm. I like can't even help myself. I get to work at home. I just got done with a workout, so that's pretty phenomenal. I'm literally glad that no one can see me right now besides you <laughs> gals, um, and I live in Portland, Oregon, and uh, I think, did I catch all of those? There was one more thing I thought oh, I was going to say. Well, my age. age. That's it. Yeah. Mm, and you know what? That's really funny because I constantly forget. How oh, gosh. Yep. I feel like you're about Struggle. getting to the age where that starts like, to happen. I'm yeah. like, this has never been a thing. But like someone asked me the other day and I was like, oh, I'm 34. I'm not 34. I'm 33. It's cool. There but, you, you know, it's like I like keep forgetting how old I actually am. Someone had to do the math with me because they were like, well, what year were you born? And I was like. <laughs> 1985 and then they're like let's do the math like what month anyway so I am 33 (laughs) and what was that what's your birthday oh May 24th oh May 24th well now we'll know when you turn 34 and we can remind you you. will know know. (laughs) (laughs) I still love my birthday or something and then we could be like oh that's why you're confused but there's really no excuse (laughs) So I just forget how old I am. I'm in my mid thirties, somewhere in there, whatever. Exactly. It it works. It works. All right. So to jump right into the segments, Shay, do you have a millennial moment to share with us? Well, it was really funny because I was really kind of like, you know, we've been doing this for so long now. I feel like I have less and less of these quintessential millennial moments that we seem to have like so much so many of when we first started recording um so it you know it ends up just kind of being these like random anecdotes from my life but then I went grocery shopping and I wanted to have a conversation (laughs) first of all Costco has ruined me for being able to buy anything at regular grocery stores because I'm like why is it so expensive but I was in the grocery store and I was well I was looking at pancake mix that I didn't even end up buying but then I bought um some icing for these brownies that David had made. And do you guys know what rainbow chip frosting is? Yes. I do not. Okay. <laughs> Brianne, please define rainbow chip frosting. Gluttonous. Gluttonous. <laughs> it is delicious. It's so delicious. But it is yeah. like an extra sugary goodness with like almost, they're like harder sprinkles in a way all mixed in. 
I I always thought they were like little chocolate chips, but I don't think they are. I think they're like candy kind of in the shape of chocolate chips. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And it is different from Funfetti, which is the sprinkle yourself on top. Right. So I've come to mix in together and comes pre-prepared in that way. And it's just like a little like, they get a little like runny and almost... Mm -hmm. It's really good, like mushy. Yeah. <laughs> not really selling it, but it's really, especially on like a really like these dark chocolate brownies that we have. So, of course, I bought it, but. And you want it to be all melty when it's like that. Like, yeah. Like out of the oven. Warm. Yeah. Mm, see? Good. But see, Maddie has no idea what we're talking about. So, I wonder if rainbow chip, and for a while, like, you couldn't get it. And now I found it again now that I'm in the Pacific Northwest. But I could not find it on the East Coast anywhere. Yeah, I was going to say maybe it's a West Coast thing and that's why I don't know it. I think it may also have been – it may be an ancient millennial versus a young millennial thing as well. Too. It may have yeah. come to a height like when we were in high school maybe and then college and then it like – drifted away for a little bit and now is back in certain regional areas so i just wanted to see that's true as you're pointing that out i'm thinking the last time i saw this was in the 90s yeah Yeah. like i've not seen this on a cake or even like homemade ones or anything since the 90s yeah but i've not thought about it till the moment Safeway, if you're really excited to go get some. Uh, Maddie, every once in a while, I'd see it at the Gross Gristides on 8th Avenue. So uh, yes. if you're really excited to go back to our old neighborhood, you could totally that get Gristides yourself. Gristides that uh, they, fun fact, carded me on my 21st birthday. And oh. then they were like, we can't accept this ID. And I was like, it's literally my birthday. And they were like, well, we can't accept it until it's like 30 days after your birthday. And I was like, this is not a rule anywhere. It was so weird. But anyways. That is not a rule. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. Anyways. Excellent morning anyway, moment, Shay. Funfetti. It is, or not Funfetti. Rainbow Chip. It is about the millennial divide. Love it. So, all right. Yeah. Matt? But Rainbow Chip on the Funfetti, let's just say mind-blowing. Yes. That would be a little much, though. <laughs> it is really sugary. Or just enough. Really sugary. Yeah. It's all right. Now I'm going to be tasting that, so. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so my millennial moment, um, I've had quite the week. I'm getting over a cold, so if I sound bad, listeners, I apologize, or if I'm sniffling into the microphone. Um, But I have kind of two millennial moments. I'll do the downer first, and then we'll end on the the upper. That seems to be the way to do it. So earlier this week on Wednesday, I went to my great uncle's funeral. He had a long life. Rest in peace, Uncle Bob. Um, Thank you. Um, But... I didn't really know him that well, but the times that I did know him, he was really great. And he lived on Staten Island pretty much all his life for like 60 years in the same house. And so I went being in New York. My grandparents came. They drove in with my aunt from uh, Michigan. My dad flew in. Um, My other aunt lives in Connecticut. So it was this big like family reunion. And it was just, it's sad that this happens around funerals, but I feel like every family kind of goes through this where it's like... Mm weddings and babies and funerals are like the only times that you see certain people depending on how close you are with them but it was just like at one point like we went to the wake and then we went back to like my uncle bob who passed away his wife's house that they lived in together for like some food and people were like reminiscing and there were like old pictures and stuff and like it was just really fun but like at one point my dad like 
turned to me and he was like, you don't get these moments of like seeing people, like there were people there that I hadn't seen since I was like a kid. And it was like, you just kind of pick back up or they like remember little bits about your life. And it's like, he was like, you don't get that with friends unless it's like maybe your best friend where like, you know, their extended family, but like even someone that's you're personally really close to having this whole like extended network is really like a family thing, like second cousins, third cousins, that kind of thing. Um, and having those like shared sort of like ancestry connections. And at one point, um, my dad's cousin, Robert, who was my uncle Bob's, um, son, the one who passed away, um, he was going through his father's like bureau. He had this like bureau in his house and I guess they had found a notebook from 1906 with like my grandma's grandfather chronicling his trip from New York to Pasadena and it took him two months at that time and he's gonna like type it up and digitize it and like send it to everyone so like it was very sad funeral obviously like would have rather not have had that experience but like those types of moments it just really like enforced the importance of family and I think especially like younger millennials you're so focused on your own life and like meeting new people and every experience is exciting but like going back to those roots and having like not sort of forgetting about that extended family I think is important um yeah oh sorry go on no 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 that was the end of that particular one well, I think so. it's that's also like really definitive of our generation because I think even 40 years ago everybody you know like for example like where my family's from if you were you wouldn't go farther away than like Pittsburgh so that would have been like 20 miles from right. where you were born or whatever and, and that's why even, that guy in 1906 like yeah, so going really from New York to California was like the exciting thing of like your lifetime like that was like yeah. in that time like two months on a trip like that was like whoa you know yeah But I think also to like, again, not to like drive a point home with a hammer, but so, you know, there was this period where like everybody is moving away and we don't have those close knit family groups anymore. But I think now with social media, it's really funny because you get to kind of have these connections with your extended family that maybe you wouldn't have had a connection or even like, you know, anything with like, say your second cousin twice removed, but now because your friends on Facebook, you get to kind of keep tabs on them. And I think that's kind of a reinvention of that being that's involved true. all the time. Yeah, I think I mean, that's at least true. my cousins like to send me messages 47 times a day, but that might just be because we're still <laughs> a crazy old yeah. Irish Catholic family well, who are all up in each other's business. Every family is different for sure. But I yeah. think it's also, I think it's interesting too to see kind of like the evolution because it's like, like they were talking about um, like my great aunt who's now like a widow she's talking about like potentially moving down to atlanta which is where her son lives she's lived in the same house for 60 years on staten island like this would be like a big move for her you know and they're like maybe you don't want to do that because you have all these friends like this has been your life like you know you're obviously like grieving the loss of your husband so maybe you don't want to make this decision right now so she's gonna wait but it's kind of i see it with like people my age where it's like you move really far away kind of like sow your wild oats and then I think around like the early 30s mid 30s sort of millennial bit people kind of reevaluate and they're like well do I really want to have kids and like settle down so far away from family um and then they kind of return either back to like their hometown or to the general region where it's easier to travel and then like when you're really really old it's like the reverse like if you have kids you move back to like wherever they are like you know yeah whatever so it was just interesting Um, So that was one thing. And then the other thing was, um, 
our I guess the episode will already be out by the time people are listening to this but um I went to a brunch that was kind of like partially hosted by former guests of the pod Jillian Richardson um and she is just like such an enigma she is like might be the coolest person I've ever met like I'm very taken aback um but she invited me to this brunch like pretty much right after we had like stopped recording she was like do you want to like I'm like doing this brunch it wasn't even at her apartment it was like at some other random person's apartment and this has only happened to me like twice in my life where it's like I don't know how to describe it in a way that will resonate with people but it's it's almost like you walk you you think you're walking into something and then you walk into it and it's kind of like you're in a scene in a movie where like everything is like sort of just like falling into place it's like a movie scene and you're just kind of like watching it and everyone's like very focused like everyone's just like so genuine and happy and they're all like tell me about yourself like just pulling you into the group like it happened to me once in high school I'll just caveat this because it's illustrating point but when I was in high school I was in a talent show doing a song a Pink Floyd song there's a recording of of it somewhere on YouTube um with this guy and he was like oh we should practice for the talent show do you want to come over to like so-and-so's house I'll be there and you can just come over and we can practice the song so I was like okay and so I went had never been to this neighborhood never been to this house before and I go and it's like a long driveway down like a wooded path to like this huge house and I was like whoa I didn't even know that they had like big houses like this back here it was weird and it was like columns just like this huge house and I walk in and everyone's wearing like 50s fancy attire (laughs) and I so you were transported to an alternate universe yeah I was like what the fuck and I I walk in and everyone including my friend that had invited me was sitting down at this dining room table wearing clothes that looked like they were in the 50s and the house (laughs) looked like it was in the 50s and I was just like I'm just gonna go with it turns out it was um this group of friends were having like a fancy dinner party that they would do from time to time where like they would cook food and like dress up and I guess this one was like 50s theme but no one told me so I'm just wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and everyone's just like the girls whose house it was was like cooking all this food and she was like wearing an apron and everyone was like very artsy and cool and I was like whoa so flash forward many years to this Sunday (laughs) I walk into this apartment after I had texted Shay about this uh I guess I'll call her out, but Jillian gave me the wrong address by accident. No hard feelings. So I was... Okay, this now story, by the way, makes a lot more sense because when you're like, Jillian gave me the wrong address, I was like, to her own house? I'm like, I don't understand. I thought it was her house because she was like, my roommates are going to be there. Turns out they were just also at this brunch, but she she had transposed a number. And so I was trying to... I was on the street for 30 minutes just wandering around like aimlessly. I didn't have her phone number. So I was like emailing her. I was like DMing her on Instagram. Finally, I texted other former guests of the pod, Lily Womble, who's friends with her. And I was like, can you help me? And she was like, oh, yeah, I was invited to the same brunch, but I can't go. It's at such and such place. And I was like, oh, the address is wrong. So I'm like 30 minutes late. It turned out being fine. But it was just like I walked in. It was like this beautiful like Williamsburg apartment. Like Mm. the furniture was all like impeccable. People are cooking. Everyone like looks me in the eye when they meet and they're like, we're so glad to have you. Like people that I've never met, like have no idea who they are. And like everyone, like at one point, this girl like turned to me who I had never met, never talked to. And she was like, so like genuinely like not 
trying to be an asshole. She was like, so what are your goals for 20 going into 2019? And she was like genuinely interested. Oh, my God. And it was just like a group of people and they were all just like, we're so happy to be here. And then this girl who was Chinese and she had just come back. She started this project at Burning Man. There was a lot of like Burning Man type people there. And she's doing this project, which you can follow on Instagram. I'll find out what the handle was. But she asks people to draw, according to the prompt, what is your life? So she asks people, what is your life? And then you get a piece of paper and you're supposed to like do a visual representation of this. this. Yeah. Yeah. And so she was there. And so we like all did it. And it was just very like kumbaya, but in like a very nice way. What did you draw? Um, I drew, mine was very, I'm not like a visual artist by any means i drew like a kind of artsy looking like infinity symbol it was supposed to be like infinite possibilities like i don't know i was like i wouldn't have normally done it but i was like i'm in the i'm in the mood i'm in the scene oh my god that is really funny and so i don't know and this guy i hope you're listening i forgot your name but he was like very very into the podcast and he's a consultant and he helped he's like specifically a consultant to help older millennials who are managers manage younger millennials and so when i told him what the podcast was about he was like let me pick your brain for a half an hour all about this topic and he was like rapid fire like questions and he was like this is so fascinating and then i told him about the podcast he said he was going to listen so he should hire us to consult for his consulting Yeah, yeah i don't know he mostly asked me about myself i should have asked more things about himself but i think he was like trying to get data out of me from like the podcast you know um but it was just like research so yeah like diverse it was like every different ethnicity and like a bunch of different ages and I was just like how have you like cultivated this like group of people and like no one knew each other it was like very like some people like knew each other but then there were a bunch of people who were like oh I was invited by that like people like me that like didn't know and I was like this is great I feel like I've been transported to another world I had a very long conversation with this girl who I can't remember the company I wish I had remembered more details about this now that I'm talking about it but um she works for a company that basically turns like spaces that are underutilized like restaurants that are only open for dinner and turns them into co-working spaces during the day oh um so our thing so our friend Brie not this Brienne another Mm -hmm. girl who's called Mm -hmm. Brie she that's where um Brie works and cobble hill in one of these spaces by that that's done by that company yeah so it's very cool i can't remember the name of um so yeah it was just a lot of like interesting people and they talked more like a lot of them go to like that dance party thing that jillian was telling us about so anyways i just felt it it gave me vibes of like that experience that i had in high school where like i walked in and i was like i just thought we were having brunch with like jillian and her roommates no it was like 30 people and everyone was like talking about all these cool things that they were doing and it was like very diverse ages and like ethnicities and stuff but it was like very genuine and like not forced i don't know it was cool so anyways that's been my week i love it like an awesome experience yeah Yeah. she's great everyone subscribe to the joy list i really i've drunk the kool-aid i think she's like the coolest person ever (laughs) yeah it's very cool um excellent all right brianne what is uh what is your millennial moment of the week well, or of life, since we haven't talked or to of life. Yeah, or of life. Okay. Well, the thing that I thought of happened to me recently, because <laughs> while I was driving, and I've become so um, addicted to like the phone telling me where to go. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Like, that's how I get directions now. 
And all of a sudden, while I was driving, I got to one of those places where you lose all cell service. Oh, no. And I was out in the total boonies, didn't know where I was. And I flashed back to when I used to print out everything mm-hmm. via MapQuest. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and I was like, why don't I do these things anymore? I've become so reliant on the phone. And like, I didn't even look at a map before I got in the car, turned it on and left. So like, I didn't even have a clue as to like where I was. And that to me felt like this really millennial moment of like, I've become so reliant on this phone now, but Mm -hmm. I also know what it was like before when I used to print out the map, I used to like take a look at everything. And I, it was almost like that, right. That meta moment in a way, but where you just kind of realize like how, helpless you are yeah without technology (laughs) totally well I think it's so interesting that you mentioned that because I was having a similar not a similar experience but I was like um I have a notebook from when I first moved to New York where before I like went out of my apartment I would like write down like take the R train here, turn right out of the thing. And I would write that all down before I left because again my I had like this janky old Blackberry that wasn't gonna work Mm -hmm. um But then I was like, okay, so we look back at this, like the printing out or the writing down as being so archaic, but not 10 years before we were doing that, there was nothing. There There wasn't even the map quest. There was like actual Rand McNally's or whatever that you would look at. And I was driving, um, where was I going in Portland? Oh, I was going to, no, I was going to take a family member to a doctor's appointment over in Beaverton. And I was like, it took me like off on this like random side street through a neighborhood. And I was like, how would I know where I was going if I didn't have this tiny computer? Like, it's so crazy. I was in the car. I I was in the car with my grandpa um, this past week. And he's, like, a full, like, Atlas person. He, like, goes everywhere, like, with the Atlas. And he is from New York originally. And, like, there have been times in the past where, like, you'll tell him, like, oh, I was going east on such and such street and he's like that's impossible because it's a one way like he has parts of new york like committed to memory yeah and i was in the car with him and he my aunt drove him to new york with my grandma and she obviously has a phone and is a person of the 21st century so they were using ways which like is awesome because it diverts you away from traffic and stuff like that but he still had like the atlas and everything and the backup and like he's made the drive from you know connecticut to michigan a thousand times he used to live there so like he's honed this skill that like in some ways is obsolete but like from this story it's still a necessary thing to be able to get yourself out of a jam when the phone's not working right like we make fun of him and we're like oh like don't ask grandpa for directions because he's gonna like open the atlas and it's gonna be like you know getting out the grid (laughs) square yeah yeah but it was really cute cute. yeah it was cute also like because my grandma was like we were punching in the directions and she's like is the lady gonna talk to us and we were like yes She was like, I love the lady. She just tells you exactly where to go. And we were like, yes. My grandma has embraced. My grandma has, like, embraced technology. My grandpa has not. He's, like, in the lane, you know. But my grandma, like, uses emojis. She's, like, all about it. So it's interesting to see that juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, All right. So now as we gather around the toasty campfire, uh, Maddie, would you like to start? Um, Sure. Mine's really short. I felt because right. my millennial moment was really long and in depth when I was thinking about it today. Um, 
So mine's just a short recommendation. Um, I started watching The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel when I was sick the other day. So good. Oh my gosh, so good. It's very good. I would highly recommend it. Um, I didn't, like, I don't know, like, I like period pieces. Like, you know, I enjoyed Mad Men. Like, I feel like that's a comparable type show. But it's not, like, something, like, I'm not a big, like, masterpiece theater, like, those types of things. And I thought, like, looking from all the clips that I've seen of Mar- Marvelous Mrs. Maisel that I would think it was very corny. And it is not at all. Like, it's a very fresh, like, well-done show. So I would recommend yeah. it to anyone. Well, it's, um, isn't it Amy Sherman Palladino yeah, as the director? Yeah, Gilmore Girls. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Girls. yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, it's and very dialogue and stuff. Yeah. So much it's fun. Good. Her and her husband teamed back up for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And the episodes that they did of Gilmore Girls together are by far the best. So I was super excited. I'm a really big fan. Well, I can tell. And I think that's amazing. And I have to go back and watch Gilmore Girls because I remember I started watching it once. This was many years after it aired originally. But I was like really sick with like, I think, strep throat or something. And I was like, didn't kept like falling asleep but then I didn't get into it and I was like but I know this is the kind of show I'm gonna like so oh, I have yeah, to you go love back. It. Mm-hmm. I know so um well I know Brienne has um kind of a larger topic for her toasty campfire so I will just jump in with mine before handing it over to her because uh mine is also quite short um and I just wanted to say that I saw that uh Kate Middleton's brother James Middleton uh, has an Instagram account now that's public and it features him and his uh according to the cut uh one million dogs and I just you know brother of a princess one million dogs British countryside like what's not to love is he married is he like the world's most eligible bachelor yeah I I was like I think he's unmarried because I well I was just like scrolling through it very quickly before I got on with you guys but He's like GQ, Britain's like one of their, you know, 10 mm. men of the year or whatever. I was mm. like, he looks very single to me. So, love it. Um, so, yeah. he should be the next bachelor, like, uh, for yes. sure. Well, now we yes. have the Virgin Colton, don't get me started. Oh my God. <laughs> Who... I've not watched him at all. Oh, well, you only missed one episode. I have two friends, okay. two independent friends who each know someone on the show. So now I'm like in it mm. to win it. I'm obsessed with The Bachelor. Wow. I don't know if Shay told you that, but I'm not going to get on a tangent because I, I want to do that. But here's my I would much question. rather have Middleton brother compared to Virgin <laughs> definitely waxes his whole body, Colton. Well, yeah. <laughs> is he like a real virgin or like a born again virgin like that other guy was? No, he is not like Sean. He has okay. never inserted the penis into the vagina, Shay. A real oh. virgin. Excellent. Real virgin. Okay. But well, but I remember they said that about one but, of those one of the girls. I forgot her name right now. Oh, Ashley. Ashley, I knew it. I'm Maddie really knows. But I think I think she might have lost her virginity on Winter Games. But the world may never know. But Colton, my thing with Colton is I'm like he was he's he's cute. He's really hot. Like definitely you know not a bad looking guy. And he used to be a professional football player. And his excuse for why he's a vir- not that you need an excuse to be a virgin, obviously like the but like his reason for why he has never slept with a woman is that he was too busy being a professional football player and i'm like you know who sleeps with more women than anyone professional football players like that is not an excuse yeah so that's why i'm like and he's not outwardly super religious so i'm like maybe he's secretly religious or maybe he's secretly gay in which case i feel badly that he's the bachelor and i think that's the thing 
if he had like a good reason, if he was like, I truly believe this is my faith that I want to save myself for the right person, I'd be like, oh, that's yeah. sweet. But like, if he's just like, I was too busy to, I have no yeah, reason. I'm too busy doing the busy. one thing that women will just like drop their panties for. Like, okay, like there's, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, it feels like a know. fake yes excuse. I feel like the real excuse might be that he because this has definitely happened like now he's in his mid-20s I feel like there's a threshold that like if you don't like we're talking about have a good reason then it becomes like this weird thing and then it's just like this it perpetuates itself so I think that might be it or he might be secretly gay we shall see I'll keep you posted. All right. I am always this wondering makes that for an exciting that, yeah. season. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a lot of secret gays on The Bachelor, but yeah. whole nother, whole yeah, nother that's conversation. A whole other conversation. Yeah. That's yeah. a whole other conversation. Not All Ed right. and his limp noodle. Oh he is not a secret gay. Ed the limp noodle, but he's got a limp noodle. So this is going way back to uh, <laughs> Jillian, <laughs> the Canadian yes. season, yeah. which is like. I don't know. It's Maddie many must years have been ago. in like fourth grade yeah. because it was so long ago. <laughs> Anyways, we've really gone off the anyway. rails. Yeah. Uh, Brianne, please bring your toasty log to the campfire. Yes. <laughs> I like Shay bringing okay. the, what is the proper literary term? The uh, metaphors? Uh, the metaphor, the theme. Yes, yeah, I'm I like really it. trying to, uh, you know, we got the new logo. I'm just trying to really hit it home really with the it. camp theme. I really so. love it. I will bring the fresh log oh, excellent. to the fire so we can feel that the fire. fire. Well, Shay and I were actually talking about this ahead of time just on our own or whatever but we both read the same article um is it from buzzfeed or was it like it's from buzzfeed yeah it's it's one of their staff writers and i know that this article went viral but it was talking about the millennial burnout oh yes i have read this one did you read that too Mm -hmm. yeah and i it was so funny because at first i read it and i'm not gonna lie my my first reaction was like oh You know, yeah. like, that's ridiculous, whatever. And then I read it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm all of those things. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was the I best. The same way. <laughs> I, like, had seen um, – I get this, like, newsletter every Friday called Girls' Night In. It's really great. It's all about, like, fun things to do on a Friday night, like, by yourself. And they have, like – they always put, like, long reads in there that you're – the thing is, like, you're supposed to go home on a Friday at, like, draw the bath, like, read the long reads. And this was one of them, and their, like, little that's blurb awesome. on it was, like – most headlines with millennial like millennials are just like filler for news producers that like don't have anything else to talk about and they were like this was the one article that actually was like substantive and made a point mm-hmm. and I was like I mm-hmm. could not agree more so anyways yeah. continue yeah yeah it's just uh while I was reading it it was one of those things where I kind of realized that we came from as millennials we came from a very hard-working generation and I loved like the way she talked about it in the article of how we have really taken on kind of that hard work, but then also an extreme amount of debt from student mm-hmm. loans being the first, you know, real generation to like all of us practically went to college. And I mean, obviously these are generalizations, but the amount of debt now for college had raised so much too. And that that adds to that burnout. So instead of just like this idea of like working really hard and that's what causes your burnout. I realized there's that mental capacity that she brought into the article that really hit home for me because I, I have a lot of student loan debt that I've been paying off for a long time. And I was like, it's, it feels like this huge weight. And that was a really big thing that stood out to me about that article because obviously it like hit home. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, I mean, I, I think that 
it was really interesting because again, it approached the whole, you know, millennial question from this completely different perspective. And the perspective is again, just what you were saying, Brianne is not that millennials, not that we are lazy, but lazy. it's that we have been programmed to be workers. And then we're finding that either depending on where you are in that millennial spectrum, either there wasn't work or you had to do so much work there's no, and then, and then she talks about how there's these expectations that you're either building the personal brand or you're answering emails at midnight. So there's never there's a never time a off. Turn off there's never a turn off. Yeah. And then, like you said, because of the debt and just because of the recession and, and other things, there's no compensation. So, you know, our parents or our grandparents, if they worked a 12 hour day, they got time and a half for at least four of those hours. That doesn't exist anymore. So those two things together really create this burnout. And I mean, I know for me, it really resonated for me because I like couldn't figure out again, like I was experiencing some of the th these things, like why can't I take that stupid bag of crap to Goodwill or why can't I, mm -hmm. you know, do these things and I'm like, oh, it's because you get so burned out on this rat race where you're not being compensated. And I, you know, I was interested to hear your take on this, Brienne. And if you think this is at all accelerated for um, entrepreneurs, and I definitely think oh, I it think a hundred percent, yeah, like yeah. not that I'm a professional 1, at all, but I think a thousand percent, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it feels like that because it's like everything it was talking about are the things that I even help coach people through on a regular basis. And then I also then need to get coaching myself through mm -hmm. because we can get so caught up in the rat race. And I didn't even think about until reading this article that it's because we've been conditioned to yeah. do this. It's yeah. not even, it's a second nature to me mm -hmm. and to everybody I've talked to, honestly, who's also an entrepreneur, that it's like, this is just what you do. The idea of rest the idea of taking time off, even on my vacations, I'm still building my personal brand for my business. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, it's one of those things where that's never really there, even when it could be because my mind personally doesn't even hardly wrap around that idea of like what that rest looks like and even what that compensation looks like because mm -hmm. it has looked so different for me. But when I talk to my mom about it, for instance, even she's like, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. You should yeah. be able to just like not do anything and take time mm -hmm. off. And, you know, you should already have such and such saved up or, you know, whatever. Cause she had been in that workforce since, you know, for yeah. however long she just retired to be honest. Yeah. So she has that beautiful retirement and all that. And for me, that's, um, it's a stranger thing to talk about or to think about for my own business. And then as an entrepreneurs and other entrepreneurs, it's like, Oh, we're thinking now about saving for retirement it wasn't something that was even taught to us in schools, but for my mom, for instance, it was taught. So the burnout phase is just so different and it's happening to us earlier than yeah. those who came before us, which has happened to them later, which I kind of want to say too, something that really popped out to me, which not a millennial thing, I'm still going to bring it up anyway, but this is actually a very social thing. Yeah. Like our entire society is a burnout society now. And we're just like the pinpoint of that, of like we're the front end, I guess. I don't even know the word for it right now, but we're the ones kind of showing that mm -hmm. because we're the millennials and we're, we're what gets talked about. But everybody, our entire society is actually in this burnout phase as yeah. of right now. So yeah, I agree. Really, yeah. And 
I think going along with that, what was, you know, because you're reading the article and it's not like she doesn't offer a lot of hope throughout the article. She's kind of like, this is how it is. This is the reality. But what I really liked, um, you know, again, she addresses that kind of societally, society wide issue. But, you know, she goes like the solution is not being like, I'm engaging in self-care, you know, for all that that's good, but your self-care then becomes this item to check off the list. But it's recognizing that this is a problem and only by recognizing it, then can you even begin to, and I don't even want to say break the cycle because I don't think that it's a cycle per se, but um, only by recognizing that we're living in this burnout culture, can you even take a step away from it and have any kind of healing or peace so I thought that was really I think the the biggest thing to go off of what you were saying Shay like it didn't offer much hope but I think what the reason why this particular article went viral like I saw so many people sharing it compared to like any other article I've seen recently Mm -hmm. is because it was the first of its kind so like you have to just be like this is what Mm -hmm. it is but I thought the thing that was so great was like she also didn't just generalize all millennials like she kind of broke it down into kind of the older versus younger millennials like a lot of the mm-hmm. stuff that you were talking about like the student debt obviously faces people that are my age but a lot of like the recession and stuff like I bypass that like yeah. everything yeah. was fine when Lucky I gradu- graduated college <laughs> but but so many articles focus they're like well everything is shitty for millennials because of the recession it's like well, that's not true that's that's a piece of it it's part of it but mm-hmm. it's not all-encompassing like not everyone experienced that um yeah and there was actually I haven't read it yet but I have it bookmarked that BuzzFeed kind of did like a follow-up and it said 16 stories of burnout kind of going they Mm. interviewed like 16 people Mm. millennials from different walks of life so I'm interested in reading that and maybe we can talk about that on a later podcast but I really thought it was nice that she had broken down like took kind of like the millennial tropes of like 9-11, 9-11, the recession, debt, like all the buzzwords, mm-hmm. social media, and kind of broke it down into being like, this is what it means for real people. And I liked that she started yeah. with, like, the lead-in was why are, do millennials not want to go to the post office and they don't want to take mm-hmm. that bag of stuff to Goodwill? Like, simple things. And it's like, yeah. And then I looked at my own life and I was like, I have a very stable full-time job, but, like, after work, like, you know, I'm hanging out with friends. I'm doing this podcast. I'm cleaning I'm doing all this other stuff and then on the weekends it's like on Saturdays like tomorrow I'm probably going to work half a day because I took Mm -hmm. time off this week for the funeral and I was sick and it's like I'm not getting compensated for that like nothing like my boss knows it's happening but like she can't do anything about it and I'm Mm going to be like releasing the podcast episode working on the podcast so like all this sort of like unpaid labor working yeah and like it's fine like I'm saying it's I'm not complaining but it's like that's you do that for long enough and I think the biggest thing that I got out of it outside of just the knowledge that this is where we are as a society and as a group of people was realizing that it's not about shutting off but it's about like if you're going to be busy like what is worth your time like saying no like maybe don't go have drinks with that friend that you don't really like like stuff like that that maybe our parents would have just like put up with going to the neighbors even though they didn't really like them just because they had less options like their social life was so much smaller and you couldn't you physically could not go home and work or have an online hobby and that kind of thing so well I really enjoyed it I thought it was great yeah and I think what's really great about this is even though this article was you know not bleak but it was more of an expose Mm -hmm. um is that I'm now seeing just so many things have popped up kind of right before this came out and right after um 
that are showing that more and more people and particularly more and more people who are in my position and Brianne's position, um, who are saying, you know, we're saying no to the hustle and we're no longer going to glorify the constant hustle. And there was a really great article I, um, in yeah. red, they talked about that is, at the girl boss rally a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, the hustle um, porn concept of like yeah, exactly. posting on social media being like, look at me working. I'm so blah, blah, blah. busy. Yeah. Or so um, many entrepreneurs just saying no to social media. Like everyone thinks that you exactly. need it, which sometimes you do, but like you really don't. Once you get to a certain point, you probably can cut back. But anyway, this article by that Laura Jane Williams, who I talked about a couple episodes ago, is kind of going viral in the UK. And she basically talks about this like death to the hustle. And while she's doing all this, she's active on social media. She's finishing editing her third book. So she's busy and she's working, but she's refusing to engage in that. I must be working all the time or else I am less than. And I think it's just a really important message. So yeah. Anyway. Well, I think you've hit the nail on the head with that is that this article probably went viral because it brought awareness, which is we can't do anything until we have awareness, like until you know that this is like what's happening to you. You can't do anything about it because you're mm-hmm. not aware. But then it's the realization that there's a legitimate mindset behind this, something we've mm-hmm. been telling ourselves. And it is a you aren't enough. It is you aren't enough unless you're doing these things, unless you are working, unless this is like your identity. And we wrap ourselves up in that busy identity. And that's what causes the burnout. And so when you can start to like sift through that and figure out and honestly, therapy, if you follow me at all, you're going to hear me talk a lot about therapy. (laughs) because I love it. But it helps you work through the things that make that not enough feeling come up for you. Mm -hmm. And there's everybody's got shit to work through. Let's just be honest. Everyone has a lot to work through. And I think that's part of the problem is we've, we've like tried to hide it in yeah. order to like be enough to be something more to be better than we feel we are already or something like that too. But there's at least for some, it might not be for everybody, but I think it's pinpointing and like hitting on that nerve and people are starting to kind of realize, Hey, this is how I'm feeling. And then hopefully get curious about it. Why? You know, why am I feeling like this? Why is this burnout happening for me? And that that's why I asked when I read it and I loved it because anything that makes me ask why makes me really happy. <laughs> that is one of Brienne's hallmarks is why? Why, why? are you doing that? Yeah. a really obnoxious <laughs> kid. It's like, why? Why? Yeah. Why? Yeah. <laughs> but really it's so helpful. <laughs> so, um, all right. So shall we move into the interview so we have enough time to really dig yeah, into? Yeah. By I the way, we need to give a good camping. Down. What? I said, I could just keep talking to you gals about all things. I know. We get, sometimes we get a little out of hand and we go very long, which is we're trying to, you know, be a Don't bring up the bathroom. We'll do better. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Maddie, we need to think of a good camping metaphor for the interview portion. So put that on our brainstorming list. Um, okay. But anyway, Brienne, you're here. We're excited. Um, so I think the thing that I – wanted to talk to you about first and there's so many interesting things that you do and that you're working on but um you have a podcast called the brave fear podcast Mm -hmm. um and i would love for you to kind of talk about that project and what inspired it and um where you're taking it so Mm. Mm, my favorite topic ever so yeah um well i just got it started and this was like a passion project in the background for me so it's it's something that's so cool to finally have out But um, I came up with this philosophy, which isn't, you know, groundbreaking or anything like that, but I call it brave fear. 
because I believe that we are constantly both fearful and brave at the exact same time. And I don't believe in being fearless. I'm kind of super sick of that word because we should have fear. It's an important thing for us. It's actually a good thing for us to have. Um, I'm a bit at like big advocate for fear in a weird, weird way. But I believe it's because you can't be brave without fear. And so that's kind of where that concept of those words come from for me. But um, what I loved to really talk about and where this came from was truly my upbringing, which I can like kind of briefly go through this to not bring it down too far or whatever, but you can also hear about it on there. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I was abused as a kid, went through some of the really hard stuff after my parents divorced. Um, It was my father and stepmother. And during those times of like extreme trauma, I always kind of wondered, like, how did I make it through? Like, how did this truly happen? I was afraid every day. But I did make it out to the end. And beautiful, I can let you know that there's a good story at the end of this. Like, there's the happy ending where, like, it did stop. It, you know, I don't know how long it lasted, but it, everything's good now and therapy is amazing. So all of those things to say. Yeah. But I remember thinking back even when I was a kid, like, I didn't feel brave. I felt afraid all the time. But somehow I still took brave actions consistently. Mm-hmm. And you don't know that until you're older and you can like look back at those things. Yeah. Um, but I realized that I did it constantly. And another part that came from the trauma was then a anxiety and panic attack. Um, so I have an anxiety and panic disorder. This is not, you know, like this is not just me that has this, which is why I love to talk about it. Um, but every day I live with an extreme amount of fear because of like just that consistent anxiety that just is like always there. And then certain things will trigger and I'll have that full blown panic attack, you know, where you feel like you're having a heart attack and you're dying. It's great. Yeah, but so fun. It's super fun. Um, but that's the idea of brave fear is I know that I'm not alone in feeling like that and that we face hard things all of the time and I want to normalize it. I want to normalize those fears. I want to normalize the fact that we feel this way. I want to normalize that anxiety that I know is running rampant and especially for our generation, if we're being honest about that too. I think there's a big part of that burnout, which I think is another reason why I loved that article um, is because of that extreme anxiousness that we all have kind of all the time Mm -hmm. and how we can still make incredible things happen in our lives and still do big things. If we want to do big things, they could be small things too, but it's like taking that brave action. Um, and that's what brave fear is truly all about. So there's kind of the, the quick snippet of it, but obviously I can kind of get on a soapbox. I'm not going to be like, no, I think that's great. And I think, you know, I think I've shared this with you before, Brienne, like it really reminds me of, um, Nora McInerney's terrible. Thanks for asking, except that you have this incredible extra piece that, and it's her platform and what she's doing is very different, but you add this element again of like, what happens on the other side of that trauma? It's not just the story of the trauma. It's this thing happened. And then what did I do with it? And how did I, I mean, really everyone you've talked to, it's been about how do you transform that for the better, which is mm-hmm. such a powerful message. Thank you. And I do really believe that. I love having a hopeful tune. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. I mean, even my Enneagram 7-ness has to have that, but yes. I do really. I feel like I need I, to do I, my Enneagram. I've seen I, I will text you um, 
the quiz as soon as we're off this and you can yeah. do it tonight and then you can tell me what you are okay yeah. producer jenny like, is like obsessed with it, it too. <laughs> oh yeah yeah well i've looked at like the brief just like for my understanding it's like it's not like a myers-briggs or like a test where it's no. like you answer questions it's more like you just read the descriptions and then you pick which one you are that's how jenny yeah. described it to me so mm-hmm. i'm interested i've like briefly looked at it but i haven't like fully sat down and been like so i have like somewhat of an idea but I don't have it like committed to memory, like which one I am. So, oh, wow, yeah. there you go. I love all of the personal development things. Take every personality test. Oh, yes. and let's talk about it. The oh. other thing I joined, <laughs> which I'm sure you guys can as well, it's like a national group that Jillian also recommended. It's called Personal Development Nerds. It's like a Facebook group. Stop it. I probably shouldn't These be saying people. it publicly. <laughs> I guess if you're listening and you want to join too, like just the DMS or something. Um, but it's like people like posting stuff like that being like, I read this book or like I, I took this personality test and this is what it said about me. And it's like, or like workshops and stuff like that. So it's cool. That sounds amazing. So back to Brave Fear and your podcast, I'm curious kind of how, I mean, the stories that you've had on there have been really interesting and really powerful. And I think the two that stuck out to me the most was the I cannot remember her name but the young woman who was in the car accident and Mm. her friend was killed in the accident and then uh, Katie Grace and her story of life with chronic illness um, Mm -hmm. were both really powerful so I mean I know you have personal connections with both of these people but I guess how do you choose what stories to tell and how how do you find these things that resonate with you um, yes, I did already know them. So yeah, that's, that's okay. Part of we it. know most of our guests too. <laughs> I know. I'm like, <laughs> but I'm really drawn to people who have been through pretty tough stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love to talk with them about it anyway. I am also introverted. So that also means that like, I go deep pretty fast with people if they yeah. let me. Um, I'm like, if they let me, I usually don't actually let them not have that as an option. So we just go deep. But yeah. I find out a lot of really interesting things about people and I love just like talking one-on-one. So with each of these women, it was, um, getting to know them kind of ahead of a time and then just reaching out and asking Jessica Rasdell is the one who you were talking about, who was, uh, in the car accident. And so now she's a motivational speaker and I actually found her because of that. She speaks out about her story all the time. And then I got the opportunity to also meet her. So there's a thing about that of like those kinds of stories. However, um, and I wanted to start out with a bang. So I'll put that out there too. Yeah, when I started the podcast, I wanted to start sense. out with a bang, have some pretty big and heavier stories, but moving forward, I'm actually revamping it just slightly so that it's, um, a little bit more conversational, kind of like we're doing right now on your guys' podcast. Cause I love this Yay. because I think that it's easy to say that only the big traumatic things that have happened are the ones mm-hmm. that matter for fear. And it's not true. And I really want to make that kind of a big emphasis inside of the podcast is that we can talk about the, and I want to put into air quotes here, the menial things, right? The stuff that like comes up daily for us. Like, for instance, I was afraid to go run around the park. (laughs) Like such a stupid moment, but like I had this social fear to leave my home and go run around the park for like a little exercise and like, I'm over that now, but like, that's, that's real. That's a real thing that actually, you know, happens. And even when I said it, I like a bunch of people were like, you're not alone. I am too. And, you know, yeah. and it gets the conversation started. So, um, 
for real, it's going to be people that I do already know so that we can kind of have the more conversational approach, Mm -hmm. which I've already had, but I wanted to take some bigger stories. Um, But no matter what your story is, no matter what you've been through, every single person on this entire planet has experienced fear. Like it's just not even a thing. And I want us to talk about it. I want us to dissect it. I want us to get to the place too, where we talk about the brave steps we've taken so that we can inspire others to take brave steps also. So, and I think you're, oh, sorry. Go no, on, go ahead. Well, I was just say the conver- your most recent podcast, I was catching up. So before we had this interview and you interviewed um, a woman named Lauren Hooker, who is a, um, I guess you would call her, she's like a graphic designer primarily, but she does yeah. a lot of courses and stuff. Um, she's a really lovely young woman and she, her fear was becoming a mom. And I loved mm-hmm. that you talked about that because I think a lot of people don't talk about how scary that is. And again, like for young Maddie, when that's so far off in her future, it may seem less scary or maybe it won't be in her future <laughs> at all. Who knows? But like, I know that's as okay I, too. as you get into your mid thirties and you're like also building your career, it's like mm-hmm. terrifying. So I love it's that you terrifying. talked about that. Um, <laughs> And again, those day-to-day, those like quotidian fears are really, um, they're worthwhile to have a conversation around. So, and are you going to write a book? Because I think a brave fear book would be really cool. Yes, I am going to write a book. Good. (laughs) But that's the first time I've ever admitted that, like publicly or anything. An exclusive. Exclusive. Again, I am 1000% terrified. I don't feel like a good writer. I don't have like this gift like Shay does. And I'm just like, how the heck am I going to make this happen? But really cute, fun story to tell you really fast. My mom had a dream. And the next day she was so excited. She came and she saw me and all this stuff. But she was like, Brianne, last night I had this dream. And I have to tell you, you're going to write a book. And I was like, what? Like, this like totally freaked me out. And she was like, and it's going to be called Your Brave Fear Thinks. I had just talked about that to her. Like this was back. Uh, a couple of years ago where I came up with it and she's like, and it's going to be your brave fear book. And she was like, and I'm going to help you write it. And I was like, wait, what? And then I got like really excited because we want to be able to tell a little bit of our story too. Um, which if she ever agrees, she's going to be on the podcast. Let's just cross oh, our fingers. because she would yeah. be amazing. But it was this interesting thing where she's like, I'm going to help you remember your story so that you can write your book. And it wasn't until she said it that I felt like, Oh, I'm going to write a book, you know, like that wasn't yeah. even in my head or whatever. So she had the dream for we me. We had talked to um, Jillian about that because she's writing a book and we brought up the point that like she's writing it kind of like in a program, like in a cohort. And she's like, it's so scary to write it by yourself, just like the blank page of like people that have book <laughs> deals. And they're like, cursor. OK, just go into the woods for three months and come out with a book like whatever. Yeah. Like That's not realistic for most people. No. And it's very no. scary. Um no. And I think that's great. It also reminds me, I don't know if you've read the book Educated by Tara Westover. That is on my list. I'm super excited to read it. You would love it. You both would love it. It's a must read, especially if you're thinking about writing a book about your own past. But she um, went through a lot of like childhood abuse and trauma. And she has like footnotes throughout the book of like, this is how we got to this memory because so much of her memory was so spotty and everything. And Mm -hmm. she interviewed a lot of people in her family and like they helped her kind of piece things together and I think it was the first time I'd written like seen a memoir where it wasn't just like all presented as like fact like she would write mm-hmm. a chapter and then she would be like I don't mm. even know if this is true it's as true as I remember mm-hmm. it but like other people in my family think it went this way and this person thinks it went that way and like presenting kind of the different sides of the memoir I thought was really interesting 
That is so beautiful. It makes me also feel a lot better because mine's also really spotty and I'm going to feel such a, like a connection to her. Yeah, you will. Because I do, I'm, I'm a little afraid. I'm like, I'm missing pieces, you know, but Mm -hmm. it's going to be more than just my story, but, um, not just, I don't want to use that word because my story is important as is everybody's. (laughs) So how has the podcast, you are also, as you mentioned, a a coach as well, Mm -hmm. kind of how does the podcast fit in with the coaching or not really like do you use the brave fear concepts with your clients as well yes she does oh great <laughs> excellent she will jump in she is speaking from experience you, best client ever no. <laughs> um with yeah I definitely it's for me brave fear is my personal philosophy that I can't even get away from if I wanted to so that's why I finally put a name to it so I can like have like a tangible something but this is how I live my life all of the time. And my, this is both my like personal goal, but it's also my business goal, but it's to inspire brave action in women every single day if I possibly can. Like that would be like the best, most amazing thing on the planet. So my mission in, in life is to like make that happen. And Brave Fear is uh, really the biggest piece of that puzzle So in all honesty, my entire business is probably going to move a lot more toward even the Brave Fear um, brand as a whole. But as of right now, it's all incorporated. So it's all a part of everything that I do. My favorite episodes on the Brave Fear podcast are actually my solo sodes. They're very good. Yeah. We also love our solo sodes with just us. They're very fun. So much fun. When you you just get to like kind of talk through things. And I, I use it a little bit to talk through different concepts I just thought of or came up with or just... Um, worked through or something like that too. So there's, there's a huge aspect of that. But um, the biggest thing I do in my coaching is I have a mastermind. That's all again for entrepreneurial. Tell me about that because I've seen it on your website and stuff, but I didn't quite grasp what it was. So let us know what that is. My favorite thing in the whole world. Um, But it's where we really bring together other entrepreneur women who are, you know, doing not necessarily the same thing, but we're doing the thing as in like running our own businesses and we bring all of our minds together to help each other grow our businesses and to bounce off ideas. And it's truly just a master mind, like all the minds come together in order to help each other out. And it's almost more like a sisterhood, but mastermind's been that word that we've used for so long. So if you ever read Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, this is a huge concept that he talks about in there of like, you have that mastermind, you have those people that you go to that help you, that help you grow and you help them grow. And so that's kind of the whole thing behind it. But a huge part of it is that personal development side and the the brave fear side of it um, is consistent throughout the mastermind. Like I'm going to always be encouraging all of the gals to be taking pretty brave action and like really getting outside of their comfort zones. And I don't just ask them to do it. I do it, too. And then I show them the things that I'm doing or I'm afraid of or that I'm working on. And so um, it's like I'm right a part of it, but I'm the facilitator of it to help it kind of go. And so this year I added in group coaching as well. So we've got like a curriculum base. But before it was always just um, a bunch of girls getting together and all talking about their stuff. (laughs) How did you get into this line of work? Have you been a coach for forever? Did you have a job before this? Like, how did you get into it at the beginning? Yes. And so this is where I'm probably a typical millennial. I've had so many freaking jobs. <laughs> I've worked Welcome so to the club. Time. Yeah. I started working when I was 14. So I've had a ton of jobs throughout my life. But the way I got into coaching, so 
I became an entrepreneur where uh, basically I was a photographer and I was oh, doing yeah, that. You've part- taken lovely photos of Shay that we have seen on the Instagram. Yes. Yeah, so lovely. <laughs> that, did that for a good 10 years. Um, I've started to phase that out now and really move more into like the coaching consulting world, which makes me super happy, which is why I'm doing it. But even before that too, I was also a musician. And so I was doing music, I was doing photography, and I had my full-time day job, um, office job. And I worked at Nordstrom right before that. So a couple of different things that I was doing all in there. Just keeping busy. <laughs> Thanks. But then, so when I went full-time with my own business with Brightland Company, that's when I brought in like branding and graphic design. And my story feels convoluted because it's like pieced together. It's like almost like I had this puzzle thing in front of me, but I didn't know where the pieces went. So like I've like been slowly like placing them. So I brought in branding and graphic design stuff because I realized I had I had already been doing that. I just didn't have words for it. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, well, I can do this. And so I just brought that in. Um, and then I realized when I did that, that my absolute favorite part, whenever I did a, like a big branding package for someone, was I love to talk with them about their business. And I love mm-hmm. to help them grow and like figure out how to use that branding and really just like the strategy side of things. So then I kind of moved into the full on business coaching and strategy world. And now I've brought in the life aspect of it because I can't not talk about personal development. I think it's one of the most important things on the entire planet. And life is so immersed in everything that we do inside of our businesses as an entrepreneur and we cannot separate them. And I'm tired of us trying. So it's like, this needs to be a whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, and then I moved into that. So basically that coaching side has been there for the past three years that I've been totally full-time with my business. But even before that I was coaching and consulting with people. I just didn't, again, I didn't know that. I didn't know I was doing that. It's like, it's like the thing that you do for fun that no one like that you never catch on to. You just are always talking with people and you're helping them and you're giving ideas and you're doing whatever. Like that's what I was doing. And so I just now monetized it. (laughs) I love that story because although I'm a few years behind you, I feel like mine is very similar. I'm like, why aren't I getting paid for this? Why am I just giving away all this free advice that no one takes? All this free advice, yeah. And I love, and so it was so easy for me, but I actually had friends who would like call me up and would Mm -hmm. be like, Hey, I need to talk to you about this idea, or I need to like figure this out. And like Bradley, my husband now, when he was, um, doing his, cause he's still in a band, he still has his, you know, music business and stuff. And I support him in that. But even when we first met, he was like, Hey, so I've got some of these ideas. Can you help me like think about how to make these happen? You know? And so it's just like, that's, that part had already been there for so long. I just didn't have any clue what was happening, but I'm self-taught. I'm totally self-taught and not didn't do a training. I don't have any certification, but I just started to like read everything and take it all in and became so obsessed with it. And now I just share that information that I've learned by being technically a personal development and like entrepreneur business junkie. So <laughs> I have a question kind of for both of you. Um, Cause Aww. I'm always curious about this. Cause you do, you both kind of do similar, but different things. Mm-hmm. So like with, with that example, I'm assuming you don't charge your husband to give him just like life advice, but like, what what do you do when someone, this is your business, right? Like this is your livelihood of like helping people with their business and with their life. How do you set that boundary between like giving advice to like your friends and being like, Hey, you should be paying me for this. Cause I'm a professional. 
Yeah. Mm. Well, when I first started with it, I had no boundary for sure. So like I was giving away free stuff all the time with people. Like they'd come up and ask and I'd just be like, yes. Especially once they find out that you are doing this, like this is your personal brand. They're like, ooh, let me do this. Even more. And you're excited about it. Totally excited about it. And I started to, well, go into burnout. (laughs) (laughs) It all comes full circle. (laughs) Funny enough. But I really started to realize that it was like, oh, this isn't working. I can't keep doing this even though I love it. And it was almost like a come to Jesus moment in a way of like, oh, I've got to figure out a different way to handle this when it comes up and put more of my own worth behind it and realize that what I'm doing is worth someone paying me for. Um, I had to really work through personally to get to this boundary. I had to work through my own worth and value and my enoughness to then say, hey, you actually need to pay me for this. So it was a very, it took a long time for me, if I'm being totally honest, to get to that boundary place that you're kind of talking about. But now it's very easy for me. (laughs) So now it's like, it's a hard set thing. What I needed to do was work through those things and figure those out for myself, but then also set the hard boundary. I don't do it for free, period. Like I don't do trades. I even set that as a hard boundary. I was like, I don't do trades. Um, I had had a couple that I did that just didn't work out great. And it was like, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm setting the hard boundary that like you have to pay. And so then I would even tell people that if they asked, Hey, Oh my gosh, I would so love to help you with this. I would, I'd love to talk about this, but I actually set a really hard boundary for myself that like, if I'm going to work with you, I've got to get paid for it. And every time I said that people understood, which was awesome, but terrifying to get started with, but that's at least my progression of it. But for a good year, solid year I did a lot of free stuff (laughs) and I did not have a boundary (laughs) yeah I think it's really it it's so interesting because first of all I think what you're saying is something that I talk a lot about with my clients and I I think I talked about on my Instagram the other day um, is the reason why creatives don't get paid and the reason why entrepreneurs go out of business is because they refuse to demand what they're worth and that's nobody's fault but your own Um, and granted I think what gets tricky is there is that kind of gray area or that mushy jello-y area when you're in your first year, year and a half of business where you, where it will be beneficial to do a few trades. And it's, and it's funny cause I'm kind of like coming out of that stickiness right now. Right. And it's funny because you go from this where you're just like doing it for free for everybody. And then what I found is it's a, for me, it's just a lot of following up and I'm like, Hey, um, I gave, you know, like Katie Luke, former guest of the pod, a ton of advice about her kind of marketing for her music. And I just was like, you know, Katie, can you give me a testimonial? And she was like, of course, that's great. And now I'm getting to the point where I don't do it for testimonials anymore. But it's also just making sure that I don't, even for my own record keeping, that I make sure I have these people in my like, quote unquote, portfolio. And I think what's nice is, as I've kind of made that transition is I now have some people that I worked with for free coming back to me and being like, Hey, can I buy particularly the people I did career coaching with will come back and be like, Hey, can I buy a package so we can like, finish up and that's been really, really rewarding. But like, again, kudos to you, Brianne. And I say this to every entrepreneur in the world, like, don't do trades, don't do, um, you know, don't give a ton of discounts be really careful with all of that. And again, once you're more out 
I would say more than two years in business, you have to be so strict about that, even though sometimes you really want that client and you know they're not going to pay and you have to let them go. It's very hard. Yeah, I think that's a good, those are good points. It seems like there's a natural progression. It also, the woman that you recommended, Shay, she has blue hair and she's the one that does all the questions that we do during the solo episodes. Oh, um. Alexandra Franzen. Yes. I was yeah. looking at her website because I was trying to find the questions and she has really, I went like on a deep rabbit hole on her website after you. Yeah, her website her. is a rabbit hole. But yeah. It's amazing. She has a lot of stuff, <laughs> but she has very good like, I, I think she has a whole thing of like different scenarios of like how to say no to people and like mm-hmm. setting that boundary and like email. So I would recommend that. And I think even taking it a step further outside of like monetary, but if you have like a real job you know, to try to prevent the millennial burnout. Um, like, if you have a real job, I see it all the time with, like, my friends where they're like, oh, well, I asked for this piece of information and so-and-so didn't give it to me on time, so now I'm just waiting around and now I have to cancel my plans, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I think it's very easy for me because maybe my Enneagram will tell me this, but I have no problem setting boundaries. It's never been an issue for me, just yeah. personally. I have other issues, but boundary setting has never been one of them. Um <laughs> And so I that look at people like an and eight. I, I was going to say, I think she might be an eight. Oh. <laughs> Not to influence you. But. Um, we'll see. Um, <laughs> we'll see. But um, yeah, I'm like, it's it's so important, even if you just have like a nine to five corporate job too. Like I see so many people and I'm like, you don't know that your time is so valuable and you're just giving it away to people. And like, you but wonder. But thing. Yeah. We like. Don't. Right. And you want it's mm-hmm. a it's a hard lesson for some people and then they end up quitting or they get burnt out or they're like, well, I'm being treated unfairly. But it's like, well, if right. you didn't give so and so a deadline and you just told them you didn't tell them that you had this important thing after work, they don't know that that's yeah. happening. Like you can't mm-hmm. blame them because you're unhappy. Like, so I've had that conversation so many times at my old job and my current job. And I wish yeah. more people, entrepreneurs and nine to fivers knew. Well, I love that you're that. bringing that up. Because I feel as though so much of our lives, we or so often we live by default Mm -hmm. instead of living by taking responsibility for everything that happens in our life. And that's a really hard thing to think about and to like kind of process or whatever. But like if we if we took into our lives basically and thought about absolutely everything that has happened in our lives is our responsibility. It's like, whoa. And I don't think necessarily that's always the case. Okay. Mm-hmm. Bad things happen. I understand that. I don't, I'm not, you know, a part of that. Everything happens for a reason, whatever. I think things happen then we deal with them. Okay. But like, <laughs> but the idea in things like this with our time and our burnout and our mindset, cause that's all, this is all mindset related stuff is like, it's our responsibility to set those boundaries. It's our responsibility to do the inner work so that we can, right? It's our responsibility to get ourselves to the place we want to be. It's not someone else's. No one else is going to fight for you the way you're going to fight for you. And I love that you just said that because it doesn't, you don't have to be an entrepreneur. This is a life thing. Like this is for any person on the planet. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. I love it. See, I do you have guys, any other? I'll like pound the pulpit here in a second. Yes, do no, it. I love it. I'm so or not because it. then Maddie will get mad because... Yeah, because you guys are on the same feed i can't edit out any of the table pounds this time so they're all staying oh, God. <laughs> doing okay. it live um i'm i'm interested in you know if you have 
not to you know paint a broad brush with our listeners but if you have any um like the one to three best pieces of advice for millennials be it entrepreneurs or just life advice that you give kind of new clients putting you on the spot (laughs) I know I'm like well I can already tell you one of them the number one thing that I tell people I've never not told someone this basically is if you want to grow, if you want to learn, if you want to get better at anything or whatever yourself, you have to get out of that comfort zone. So no matter what it is, like if I'm talking right now and you're thinking in your head, like there's probably that like one little fear moment that just popped up and you're like, "Mm, no, I don't want to do that thing, right? Like that's the thing that like you're thinking about right now. That's the thing I'm going to tell you, get uncomfortable. Go into that uncomfortable space Because even just by going to that space, you're going to like get to places you've never even dreamt you could get before. And that again is to me that whole brave fear concept. So that's one of my number one things that is like an all over universal, anyone can do it, but it takes, it takes brave fear. It takes a moment, you know, to get yourself to that uncomfortable space, but it's definitely the most hard, but liberating Thing you'll ever do every time you get yourself uncomfortable and you like grow and expand that in yourself. So that's definitely the number one thing I say. Um, and then as a person who, like we were talking about with the burnout thing, which is again, super prevalent in, you know, especially as entrepreneurs like Shay and I were talking about, but clearly as a society, clearly as millennials, as a generation, um, one of the things that I think we throw around a lot is that self-care, like take care of yourself, take care of yourself. And I love that Shay, you pointed this out, that that just becomes a to-do list thing. Mm -hmm. But what I would say instead is allow yourself to just be, we are a society of doers and I am a doer. I love to do. (laughs) That sounds so funny. (laughs) I do. I love to just like go for it. I want to take action all of the time, but where I struggle is being, just being in a moment, being present. It's like your brunch experience, Maddie, that you're talking about is so beautiful. But like, there's pieces you don't remember because you were probably, your brain was probably like going, going, going. And you were thinking like, I need to be here. But like, you're thinking like, I need to take action and like do these things. But like, anytime that I have just been in a moment and taken it in almost like a snapshot is the moments I remember better than anything, but also they're the moments I feel the most at peace. And again, it's I think one of the hardest things for us to do is to slow down our minds just enough to be. And then we're taking in literally everything around us. So I'm getting a little zen and woo-woo on you when I say it, but like Love it. it's you know, it's still something that everybody needs to do is like be. <laughs> How did we yes. like that? Mm, I love it. Check. I think those are Concept both great. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. But anyway, so get uncomfortable is my number one. Yeah. Love that. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we could talk all night, but it is time to move into the archery range um, or the rapid fire question. Uh, so we are going to ask you, Brianne, a series of rapid fire questions. Uh, a lot of them will be like your favorite, whatever. It doesn't have to be your number one favorite. It can just be a favorite. Okay. Um, Good, and just answer. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. So here we go. <laughs> Maddie, you want to start? Sure. Favorite book? Well, the Chronicles of Narnia. So it's kind yes. of a cheat. Yeah. 
What's your favorite book in the Chronicles of Narnia? Oh, God. Mm, now I don't like you. Okay. <laughs> what is my favorite? Gosh, that is so hard. Technically, it would have to be The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe because it's introducing the characters for the first time. But if you already know all the characters and you're like, go into this world. So like when I read again, it's mm-hmm. The Silver Chair. Oh, silver chair is good. I agree. Um, I also like the one on the ship. Uh, anyway, I'm breaking it. our own rules. John so, uh, <laughs> favorite movie? Favorite movie is Ever After. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> favorite place you've visited but haven't lived? Paris. Paris is good. I'm like, uh, I'm bouncing these out now. Yeah, you're doing good. Uh, favorite childhood snack? Childhood snack? Prunes. Oh, that's an a interesting first. one. I love it. It is a first. A podcast yeah. exclusive. I remember mm-hmm. telling my grandma and my mom, I was like, my grandma loves me so much because she gives me prunes. <laughs> oh, it's so love sweet. it. Uh, <laughs> favorite place in Portland? In Portland. I actually really love my neighborhood. And that's like the Selwood area. I, I think it. it's like Very the most cute, darling. Favorite TV show? Gilmore Girls. Mm. Which is probably explaining why I... Yeah, it makes yeah. a lot of sense. We're, we're connecting some dots here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I think that's all the ones I have. Ooh. Yeah, I think I think we're out of arrows. So, um, Brianne, can you please tell everyone where to find you and plug anything that you have coming up? Yes. So you can find me at brightlyandco.com. And that's also where the Brave Fear podcast is. Um, you can also go to bravefear.com, but it's going to take you to brightlyandco.com anyway. So uh, that's where you can find all the information about me and what I've got going on and uh, all about the podcast as well. And as of right now, there's nothing really coming up besides my mastermind, which is so much fun for me. So um, Shay's actually in the mastermind with me already in my VIP track that is closed. Those doors are closed until next year. Um, This group of women is super small and I adore every one of them. But I do have a mini track available, which is available online with an option to have an in-person experience too. So that is still open and I have spots available right now for February and March. So there we go. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much, Brienne. Yeah, thank you. This was great. This was so fun, y'all. I loved it. Thank you. Oh, of course. Of course. All right, campers, we will see you next week. Um, You know where to find us. Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page where you can be a subscriber and there are many cool prizes. Thanks campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.